often, Black women are a mere afterthought in conversations around wellness, but not in this space. On this podcast, the dialogue is always centered around women like you. Welcome to the podcast, but more importantly, welcome to the tribe. Be well, sis. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Be Well, Sis podcast. I am your host, Cassandra Dunbar. Oh, how are you, sis? I hope you're good. I hope your week is going well. I hope that you're just in a good space. So let's talk about perfectionism. So perfectionism, per psychology today, um, perfectionism is a trait that makes life an endless report card on accomplishments or looks. When healthy, it can be self-motivating and drive you to overcome adversity and achieve success. But when unhealthy, it can be a fast and enduring track to unhappiness. What makes extreme perfectionism so toxic is that while those in its grip desire success, they are most focused on avoiding failure, resulting in a negative orientation. They don't believe in unconditional love, expecting others' affection and approval to be dependent on a flawless performance. So I have a really interesting um, episode for you today. Because I want to talk about perfectionism and I want to talk about its links to how we are socialized as women from childhood to view ourselves, in particular, how we view our sexual and reproductive system. You're like, girl, what are you talking about? Listen, 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 (laughs) hear me out. So all of the pressure we put on ourselves to be all these things and accomplish all of these things perfectly are comparable to the expectations we place on our reproductive system. So think about it. We're socialized to have really unrealistic expectations of our vaginas and reproductive systems as a whole. If you just think about it one moment, what body part or body parts are held to such high standards? They're expected to be ultra receptive to hormones, produce their own hormones, release eggs, shed its own lining, and then rejuvenate slash replace what's been lost, accommodate the growth and development of an entire human, facilitate the passage of said human or humans in the case of multiples, and in the case of the vagina be a self-cleansing, self-regulating, and maintain a precise balance of bacteria and yeast for the optimal pH. I mean... Nothing else in our bodies are expected to do all the things that our reproductive systems do, right? Um, And then think about it. If you're a product of the late 80s or earlier, you've likely had some cutesy names for your genitalia, right? Um, so instead of referring to them by their scientific or anatomical names, such as the, the vulva, the mons, the vagina, labia, and all that good stuff, we're told that they're our pocketbooks or our cookie, our flower, our garden, um, all different types of names um, instead of what they actually are, as if there's some type of shame to having a vagina. So we start out being fed messages that there's something inherently wrong with us. If we can't call a thing by its actual name, what's wrong with the thing, right? So we start out being fed messages that there's something inherently wrong with us. This continues into our adolescence where our periods are looked on as something dirty and shameful as we hide to keep our monthly menses this big secret. In my culture, you never talk about your cycle, especially in the presence of a man. If you lived with men like brothers or fathers, you'd have to keep it all a secret. 
all of your hygienic products were hidden. You went through extraordinary lengths to remove any evidence of your cycle, and any pain or discomfort associated with that time of month were glossed over. We never really talked about the very normal things that happen to our vagina, too. So thinking about the occasional pH imbalance or yeast infection was like the worst thing that could happen to you. Growing up, it was regarded as a lack of proper hygiene, poor home training, that your mama ain't raised you right, and or promiscuity later on in, in life. In reality, the vagina and female reductive system as a whole is incredibly delicate and it's incredibly powerful. Life comes from our wombs. And as I say all this out loud, I'm realizing just how magical our bodies are and how ridiculous the expectations are that we place on it. Seriously, what other body part do we expect or are we taught should smell like a bed of roses? None. And those messages are our first introductions to the toxicity of perfectionism. So perfectionism, according to the article, is primarily driven by internal pressures, such as the desire to avoid failure or harsh judgment. Um, Greater academic and professional competition is thought to play a role, along with the pervasive presence of social media and the harmful social comparisons it elicits. Lord knows that's real. They also say that perfection, of course, is an abstraction and impossibility in reality. And when taken too far, the striving for perfection can lead to negative outcomes like procrastination, a tendency to avoid challenges, rigid all or nothing thinking, toxic comparisons, and a lack of creativity. Maladaptive perfectionism is often driven by the fear of failure, feelings of unworthiness, low self-esteem, and adverse childhood experiences. It's frequently accompanied by depression, anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, eating disorders, and even suicidal impulses. So when they describe perfectionism, there are three um, domains. One is self-oriented perfectionism, and that's an imposing, unrealistic desire to be perfect uh, on oneself. Then there's other-oriented perfectionism, which means imposing unrealistic standards of perfection on others. And then there is socially prescribed perfectionism, which involves perceiving unrealistic expectations of perfection from others. So what does it mean to be perfect? For something to be perfect, that describes excellent or complete beyond practical or theoretical improvement. So in today's episode, I had the opportunity to speak to the founder of Momotaro Apotheca. Her name is Lindsay Wynn. And I also got the chance to speak to Dr. Mayer, which is a New York City-based OBGYN. I had such a great time speaking to them and like like I always do, right? <laughs> but this one is um, a little bit different because not only am I speaking to two people at once, um, but... We talk all things vaginal health and wellness. Um, So I'm probably not alone in this, but I do a lot of my IG scrolling late at night, right? So one night I came across Momotara Pathika's Instagram page and was impressed by the inclusivity in their imagery and language on their page. And let's face it, the wellness industry is notoriously exclusive. Many of the brands showcase traditionally beautiful, quote, fit, cisgendered, heterosexual, upper-class white women throughout their social media, websites, and advertising. 
Momotaro's page was striking to me in that it featured bodies of all races, shapes, sizes, pronouns, and orientations. They had a couple of interesting posts, so I decided to go ahead and head over to their site and was even more impressed by their transparent, plant-based ingredients and their extensive blog with tons of perspectives and insight um, on all things sexual and reproductive health and wellness. So I got so excited, I decided to slide in their DMs and was eventually connected to their founder, Lindsay. And later you'll hear she's just, just so bomb. One thing that I'm learning about myself is one thing that's really important to me is um, intentionality. And I really respect how intentional she's been with her brand. If you haven't heard of Momotaro Apotheca, they are a certified organic and cruelty-free Volvo vaginal care line that supports your body's natural ability to heal. They have proactive plant-based products that work gently yet effectively to systemically address symptoms associated with common vulvovaginal issues stemming from infection and general irritation without interfering with pH balance, hormones, pheromones, or medication. Through education, connection, and a science-backed approach, they hope to be part of broader conversations surrounding sexual and reductive health to forge a practical, proactive path towards holistic health. I have been able to use just about everything that they um, that they produce, and I'm not one to brag on companies or to even recommend um, companies because I don't want people to think that my recommendations are trash, right? And this is even in my own personal life. If I recommend something to you, it's because I go hard for it. With that said, I highly recommend their products. The top, they have a couple. They have a, a decent um, range of things, but my top three are, they have this beautiful salve. It is um, a product that since I've started using it this summer, I recommend to every expectant mother or every new mother for sure. The salve is coconut and jojoba based um, and it's created with anti-inflammatories such as golden seal, echinacea, and calendula. So it's very soothing and perfect for um, soothing vaginal irritation, dryness, inflammation, specifically for me if um, right after childbirth. Had I had this right after I had my sons, I really feel that my postpartum experience would be a little bit better um, in terms of like my tearing, episiotomy, and all that good stuff. So, so good. Um, I have used it now just sometime where I just don't feel like I'm 100% um, balanced. For example, like after my period, um, I'll get out the shower, dry off, and then um, apply a little bit. A little bit goes a long way um, there. And if just instant relief for whatever dryness I may have felt. The other thing that I love is the tonic. The tonic is a multi-purpose oil that is balance for the vulva. So I'm going to tell my business a little bit. <laughs> Bear with me. Um, so I'm prone to ingrowns um, in my bikini line, right? And I found that shaving makes it so much worse. So for the past year or so, I said, you know what? I'm not going to shave. I'm going to get Brazilian waxes. So I finally found something that I like that that's good and they get to in and out. I'm not crying. And my... And because I've been consistently going for every four to five weeks um, for the over a year now, I want to say, actually, um, things were good. 
and then Rona hit, right? <laughs> so things were shut down. And then honestly, even when the salon opened back up, I just wasn't comfortable really going to do anything that wasn't essential. So I had like a four or five month lapse between waxes till I finally decided to go back. My gosh, first of all, I'm laughing now because I'm imagining myself as a damn fly on the wall. When she took that first strip, I swear she stashed my soul with it. I damn near like flipped over the table. It was so intense. And I think it's only because I had gotten out of practice, right? So I go through my waxing and I was like, shoot, I know it's going to be a problem um, when the hair starts to come back up. I think it's going to bring a lot of um, bumps. And I was like a little sad about it. But I'm like, you know what? It's okay. I'm just going to do what I normally do and pray for the best. So in addition to my normal routine, what I started doing was using the tonic. So after I shower, I dry, I use the tonic just about like every other day on the Mons area. And let me tell you, my ingrowns are not even an issue. And I'm so, 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 I, I just know the difference here is the tonic. Like I haven't done anything differently. Um, the tonic has, has been clutch. Um, and even as the hair regrows, sometimes it gets a little bit irritated, a little bit itchy. I haven't had real issues. So... I'm such a fan of that. So those two things are great. And the third thing that I love so, so much, and y'all, this is actually isn't even sponsored, <laughs> but I have to, if I know something, you got to know it too. <laughs> so the third thing that I love is the tincture. It's a plant-based elixir that is rich in antioxidants and phytonutrients that promote muscle relaxation, decrease inflammation, and increased blood flow to help soothe stress in the body and mind. I started using this, y'all, um, at the height of my insomnia caused by depression and anxiety um, a few months ago. I decided to buy it kind of on a whim. I'm like, you know what? I've loved everything else that they've um, put out so far. Let me just see what happens. I've never tried um, a CBD product at all, but I'm like, you know what? Let me just give it a whirl. Tried it um, as a nightcap. I would take a dropper foil and put in my tea at night. And for the first time in weeks, I had actually fallen asleep and stayed asleep the entire night. Because baby, let me tell you, that insomnia had me up like for hours. I would have a hard time falling asleep. And then when I finally fell asleep, it was like maybe for an hour or two. So that's that's a nap. That's not even real for a night's sleep. But Using the tincture consistently has actually helped me get to a place where I can relax and shut off my thoughts and go to bed. So anyway, those are things that I really, really love. Um, check out their website. Please go follow them on Instagram. Their Instagram page is at lovemomotaro, spelled M-O-M-O-T-A-R-O. Then their website is momotaroapotheca.com. So after you get into this episode, head on over to their website. They have offered us an exclusive discount just for our tribe. The promo code is BWELLSIS. So use that at checkout for some coins off of your purchase. Honestly, do yourself a favor. At the very least, get that salve and get that tonic. Get the tincture too. Just go ahead and get it all. Just you deserve, okay? Like, let's get into our self-care. Like, let's... Take care of all of us. <laughs> so without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the episode with Lindsay and Dr. Mayer. Thank you so much for joining. I'm so happy you're here. Be well, sis. 
I have the founder of Momotara Pathica with us and Dr. Mayer, and I'm just so excited to have you guys. Thank you so much for taking your time out of your day to do this. Thank you for having us. <laughs> How are you both? I mean, considering. Good. You know, the world of, of vaginal health um, in a time like this is actually kind of thriving. I think stress and um, our social and political climate um, have really intense effects on our bodies. So, you know, as a company, we're just trying to respond to those things and find ways to um, help people be mindful of their health and understand kind of what's going around, going, going on around them and in the world and with their bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, when I found your company, I got so excited because I'm just like, first of all, I love your ingredients. I love your mission, what you stand for. And then I looked at your blog. And I'm like, this is so inclusive, um, which is something that I just crave. I just want to be represented. And not only people who may not look like me, who are also usually marginalized. So when you are crafting your company, what made you so intentional about being inclusive? Um, my, my background is actually in photography. So I was in the branding and marketing world before this, and I worked pretty heavily in, um, the cosmetic space, which was, you know, a really beautiful dream come true at first, you know, when I moved to New York city, but as time went on, I found that the companies that I was representing aesthetically were not creating, were not asking me to create images that felt inclusive to the people that they were trying to sell product to. And they were also not putting ingredients that, you know, I could understand a lot of the time uh, into their products. And I just felt like there was a real disconnect between what they were selling, who they were selling it to, and really the authenticity within the brand. And, and, and so that's always been a really, really big part of just baseline who we are. And, and on top of that, um, feminine care, I even think takes that to the next level. It's, hyper again femme and is represented by big fluffy flowers and things that are not attainable to our vaginal and vulva health that's not that's not what it's all about mm -hmm. um i was just thinking how there's just so much shame wrapped around vaginas since we're kids for the most part like if you grew up like in the 80s like i did we didn't even call it a vagina or a vulva it was like your Susie Q or your flower, your pocketbook, whatever. And what are your thoughts around all of that? <laughs> well, yeah, same, right? Like, I mean, I, I mean, we started this company too because I was dealing with my own uh, experiences around my sexual and uh, vulva vaginal health. And I was so uncomfortable trying to talk to my partner about it, my doctor about it, anybody, because I didn't have the tools to properly discuss what I needed what I and what I was experiencing um, you know we're definitely trying to destigmatize what um, you know how we learn about talk about and express our needs surrounding our sexual health I'm sure Dr. Mayer has lots of experiences with patients not not being able to talk about things or not understanding I feel like it's pretty commonplace mm -hmm. what are you yeah, finding Dr. Sure. Mayer mm -hmm. um, from all ages, honestly, young women and, you know, 80 year old women, they'll come in and have a complaint. Um, and a lot of times they'll just, they'll be like, well, I have a problem down there. <laughs> um, and, and that you're at the gynecologist, literally, this is my job. This is what I do. <laughs> like, if, it, if you're not comfortable talking about it with me, then you, I know you're definitely not comfortable talking about it with your friends, with your partner. Um, and so a lot of 
what we do is not only medical, but also just destigmatizing, like trying to get people to understand this is a normal part of your body. Mm -hmm. It's not going to work perfectly all the time. The body is not perfect. Um, and you have to kind of give yourself a little leeway in terms of the things that can happen and that we are here to help you treat um, and help you improve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I um, love about uh, Momotaro is that you also have a, a medical doctor who, do you work as like an advisor, would you say, or? Um, not really an advisor. Um, I am kind of here to lend um, a little bit of the medical perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I'm a nice little bridge between a little bit of a more holistic approach, which is um, more Momotaro mm-hmm. versus the very like evidence-based um trials medical side of it um because mm-hmm. i feel like a lot of times at least in our training and my training specifically um, we kind of don't talk about more natural holistic approaches except yes. in a kind of a derisive way like uh, that that wouldn't work mm-hmm. um, and i found that a lot of times people don't want to go into something some strong medication if they don't have to and i think that's fair mm-hmm. um i grew up with parents who were distrustful I would say of the medical system um and so that my mom did a lot of things at home and a lot of those things did work whether or not they're backed by evidence right obviously it's kind of hard to study a lot of these things but um there's a lot of kind of historical information around a lot of this I love that Momotaro has some evidence-based um information about all of the ingredients that they use um to kind of help with convincing some of my more medical colleagues that, you know, this stuff is legitimate. Like we should consider it to be a legitimate approach to treat, treating some of these conditions. Absolutely. Um, I was looking at the ingredients in the salve. The salve is so, so good. I wish I knew of this right after childbirth because <laughs> First of all, I knew that, you know, tearing is possible, but my God, I I didn't know, no, until it happened. (laughs) Those like two to three weeks afterwards, like just, I'm having like flashbacks as I think about it. Just the thought of going to the bathroom was so stressful. If I had had that salve, it would have been so different. Just, oh, the ingredients are awesome. My brother's wife said that. She was like, peeing after childbirth was more painful than childbirth. And and they don't tell you that. And like, you know, to speak a little bit about, you know, to what Dr. Mara was saying is, is vaginal wellness is not one size fits all. And there's a lot of approaches and, and we as a company in no way, shape or form are trying to pretend that the Western medicine, medicine options aren't uh, important, necessary, and a big part of figuring out what one particular person may need. We're just trying to be a, a bridge in between that, you know, that especially people with um, you know, chronic symptoms and quality of life issues around itching and irritation that might not need to get dosed with uh, antibiotics every single, you know, time they have a problem, that there's something else there. Yeah. And and that includes postpartum irritation, postpartum tearing, episiotomies, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think sometimes people get turned off because it's just, it's, become so now it's getting better but it's been in the past so black and white like you either can do this or you can like run in, in like lily fields you know like there was just no in between you know <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> um 
So of all of your products, I've been looking online, you have a ton of reviews for just about everything. What has been the best compliment that you've received so far um, since launching? I mean, I mean, truly it's like this, this has changed my life and that's not uncommon. I mean, I mean, and it also, I, I can speak to the same thing. It changed my life. I mean, after I went through back to back antibiotics, fluconazoles, monostats, uh, UTIs, kidney infections, like my system's just sensitive, right? Like if I have sex with a new partner and, you know, condoms really irritate me anytime I'm, uh, on my cycle or and and bleeding in particular, I feel really irritated. And like those types of symptoms and experiences are not uncommon. And and you know, the SAV in particular has been something that's really helped me with that. You know, applying it to the vulva, being able to just go on with my day and not be worried about it. Um, there's also, I think, a level of confidence that um, somebody who does deal with these issues recurrently can have when they know they have kind of something in their back pocket. And those, the psychosomatic connection um, to sexual experiences, I think, is really important. Like the stress that we feel about our sexual selves and our sexual health, especially people with vulvas and vaginas, is like, I, I mean, it's so, it's so important. It's so pervasive um, mm -hmm. that people get stress around it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would like to touch on a little bit, um, Dr. Mayer, on the news that came out this week in terms of what's happening in the detention centers. Mm -hmm. um, apparently there is forced sterilization happening in women. And I'm thinking about um, just the history of gynecology and how marginalized women were, this is not new, this has been commonplace. Um, and then I think about the black maternal health crisis currently and as I'm looking around online and everybody has their opinions and everything, it seems like the common thread among um, black and brown populations has been that there's been, there's like distrust now and just lots of fear around um, dealing with medical providers. So when you speak to um, new patients or even your existing patients, what are some things that you can say or offer to ease those fears? Yeah. Um, well, the first thing is just to say that I'm equally, if not more horrified by it because it's 2020 and how are we still having this problem? How is this still something that we're, that is news mm -hmm. uh, at this point in time? Um, and especially with everything that's been going on with 2020, all of the racial justice that's going on, um, and we're still talking about the same things. Um, it's very frustrating as a medical provider who my goal has always been to help my patients um, because people with vulvas and vaginas have always been marginalized, have always been thought of as less important. Um, and it's, it's not fair is mm -hmm. kind of the answer to that. It's not fair. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it is institutionalized. Um, our systems of healthcare, our systems of finance and pharma and all of that are more focused on our male counterparts, which mm -hmm. is not fair to our female patients. Um, my approach with patients, because I have had patients bring it up uh, when I talk to them about it, is that your your part in it um, 
I can only do my part. I can kind of be a resource to you. I can be someone that you come to with your problems and try to fix those with you. But on your end as the patient, I want you to focus on how do you feel about me as your provider? Am I somebody that you feel like you can come to with your problems? Am I somebody that you feel like you would invite your mother to come see or your best friend or your daughter? Um, or your friend or whoever, um, I want you to feel like you can come to me with your problems and like I will take you seriously. Um, and a lot of times I feel like people fall into a rut of going to see somebody because they have always seen that person, whether or not they feel comfortable with them, whether or not they feel like they can trust them. Um, and I realize, especially now with COVID and everything, it's a little bit, people have lost their jobs and their insurance. And so um, I honestly think it's actually a great time to you know, shop around for your doctor, ask your friends who they see and how they feel about that, that provider. Because I think the relationship between a provider and their patient is probably the most important part. If you can't trust me, um, there's only so much I can do to help you. And being able to trust me means you're able to tell me more about your history and your problems in a more comfortable setting. Um, but I, I, my co-residents and I have, have a thread and we, some, somebody shared the hysterectomies that have been going on in the ICE centers and we were just all like, how is this happening? Yeah. Um, especially with the history that America has of doing this to black and brown women up until not long ago, the 70s or 80s, I want to say, mm-hmm. um, to have this happen again. <laughs> it's like we never learn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you make so many good points, um, especially you need to trust your provider. If there's like a barrier to trust for whatever reason, whether it's perceived or not, it's okay to move on. You know, there is no obligation to stay with that one person. Yeah. And I think a lot of people feel bad. And I'm like, I'm over here and I've seen multiple doctors because if I don't like you, I'm not going to stay with you. Right, right. And that's I also realize there's a little privilege in the fact that I'm in medicine, so I know kind of from the other side, that they're not going to be offended. <laughs> yeah. You know, you should see somebody that you want to see and that you enjoy seeing mm-hmm. and not just stay with someone because it's convenient and you are, have just seen them for a long time. Yeah. I have a question about that because I feel like that was something that like I went through is that like I was butting up against like my doctors all the time and I feel like I wasn't being heard and Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's great advice right that it's like look if you're not being heard like you can shop for a doctor you can be like all right you're not hearing me like it's kind of the idea of a second opinion you know is you know signs that you would say like look if you're not getting the help you need or you're not feeling heard like what's next just Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is like I said people feel bad um part of it is also I think insurance is a barrier because if you see a doctor for your annual visit that's covered, but then going to see somebody else for something else might not be. And obviously you don't want to have to pay for a visit every time you go see somebody. So that's a bit of a barrier. Knowing who to see is a barrier, which is why I always tell people, ask your friends, because honestly, they're going to be the best resource in terms of who you don't want to waste your time with. If your friend was like, this person was absolutely terrible, you can just cross that off your list. (laughs) And then personally, I tell people if you, because sometimes we do disagree. I do disagree with the patient. I'm like, I don't think this this is the right path for what we're trying to get to for you. 
if they don't agree, then I'm like, it is totally fine for you to go see somebody else and get another opinion. I will not be offended. And if they have a suggestion that I didn't think of, I want to know that, honestly, because I'm here and I'm also learning, just like you are. I have the background in medicine and I have the training, but that doesn't mean I know everything. So I kind of want to touch on your new product, the tincture, mm-hmm. which I love. Um, oh, good. I bought it with no real expectation, but first of all, when you open it and you smell it, I'm like, okay, yes, that's number one. <laughs> number two, it is just smooth and like the my anxiety in instantly like melted away. It was such a nice little nightcap. Um, so I would like to touch on the relationship between the reproductive system and the endocannabinoid system if you will. Yeah, totally. I mean, well, and so I'll start with saying, you know, this, this new product is a, it's a herbal infused tincture. So it's not, we don't really like to be like, this is a CBD product because, you know, comparatively to like, you know, your CBD marketed products, it has very little in it. Um, We work with a company in Oregon and this is something that we really like to champion in general is that like find the people who are doing the best type of work, collaborate with them and make this like super product, right? It's why, all our articles are written in a first uh, first person perspective, why all of our products, we bring in specialists to talk specifically about them and help us. And, you know, this product is no different. Um, so, so I don't, you know, want to make claims around the fact that this is like really addressing your endocannabinoid system, but, but more about like maybe the gut health there, like, you know, what our gut affects every part of our body, especially our vaginal microbiome, um, the CBD um, and a lot of the other herbs that we used in there were specifically, and again, have a ton of history and, you know, some tests, which is really important to us, especially when we're dealing in, um, you know, kind of natural medicine, quote unquote, if you will, um, that we could show that these were going to address the central nervous system, that they were going to address inflammation, that they were going to, um, you know, really holistically help people with pelvic pain. And, and, and it's since changed, like this product is so new. It's so interesting. Um, we actually tested it um, on a lot of PTSD patients, people who had physical pain connected um, to mental experiences, um, people who had gone to Iraq, actually my father who was dying at the time used this product pretty consistently for about a year and a half. And, you know, it's, it's connecting mind and body essentially. It's, I mean, it is our endocannabinoid system. I don't know, Dr. Mayor, if you can explain the endocannabinoid system in better words than I can, but, um, it's, it's a really beautiful product and I'm, I'm really proud of proud of it and always um, right now uh, excited to hear what people's experiences are. If it's really helping their pain or if it's helping them sleep. I honestly know not as much about the endocannabinoid system just because it's not, again, something that we learn in training. So um, when I kind of tried out the tincture, I agree with you, Cassandra, it's actually really, really great in terms of relaxation. I um, use it right before bed and I feel like I've slept much better. Yeah. Um, or at least I don't wake up as much at night, which has always been a problem for me for years. Um, but I do think in general for, especially for women, a lot of times there's a bit more in terms of the mental side of things, um, especially as it comes to vulvas and vaginas. And part of that is just 
societal pressure, I think, and the stigma of even talking about your um, vagina or vulva or having issues with it. Um, a lot of people want it to work perfectly and it doesn't. Yeah. Um, and so there's always a bit of stress around that. And then there's stress around the fact that you, you can't really talk about it. Um, and so I think this product is really great in terms of that mental aspect of it that we don't really talk about that much, even though I do think it's a really important aspect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I was just thinking about as you were talking was, um, especially in black and brown communities, how a ton of us have um, uterine fibroids, but we don't talk about it. It's like after the fact, then it's like, oh yeah, I have them too. Wait, what? Like, why haven't we talked about this um, before? Um, I'm not sure what it is about the female reproductive system that makes us so shy and we just hold on to like things like as if they're secrets where there really shouldn't be any secrets around what's happening with your body per se, especially if it runs in your family or your friends have them as well. Um, yeah. I do you think social media has been a great tool in terms of these things? Um, fibroids, miscarriages, infertility, all of those things as a provider, we know that they're very common because we take care of it all the time. But I feel like even to this day, there are people who I tell the statistics on these things and they're just like, what? I didn't realize it was that common. Yeah. Um, and I think social media has been a great tool for us to kind of spread that information and let people know fibroids are really common. You probably have a cousin, an aunt, a friend, somebody who had it or has it and just isn't talking about it. Same thing with endometriosis, PCOS, infertility, miscarriages. These are very, very common. It's just that we, I think as a whole group, have been pretty silenced in the past decades, centuries, um, and kind of conditioned to not talk about those things, mm-hmm. even though talking about it is what makes that experience something that, I mean, it shares the burden. You know that other people are also dealing with these problems. Mm-hmm. You can kind of learn information from their experiences um, and not feel so alone in yeah. experiencing those things. Yeah. You know, I think that's a big thing for us. Like th- that was number one for me through this experience. Like you go through something and you're like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. Like, why do I feel this way? Why do I smell this way? Why is everything uncomfortable? And and yeah, we were taught to be so pure, right? And and the expectations of the body are like absolutely unreasonable. I, I often say to people, I'm like, especially people with like vulvas and vaginas, I'm like, you can make a human with your body. Like, that's pretty complicated. Like, there's other stuff going on there. Like, don't expect it to be all like coming up roses like you are that's incredible that's an incredible scientific feat I mean yeah it's wild like think about it there's things that are going to happen and it's okay Mm -hmm. during your launch Lindsay what is something that you know now that you wish you knew before you started the company oh my gosh so much I've, (laughs) I've never I've never learned so much in such a short period of time. I guess, I guess not short, like four years, but still for what we've accomplished. And, you know, granted, I'll give all the credit to my team and the people that work with us. But, um, you know, I think, and this kind of runs true to the theme of this conversation is 
my original expectation was that everything had to be perfect, right? Everything should be like ready to go. This is, you know, this big, shiny, fantastical thing. Um, and that's just for me, for my journey to get here and to start Momotaro, like, I, you know, I didn't grow up with money. I didn't have the access to create a company and get funding. And, and you know, I, we had to start very, very much from scratch and bootstrapping. And um, I probably held myself back for longer than I should have um, because I was scared. Uh, I was scared of what people would think. I was scared to put my vagina on blast, if you will. <laughs> like, like, okay, guys, all these really crazy problems. <laughs> and like, you know, and and so, you know, I th I really think I would have, I would just be more gentle with myself and uh, quicker to ask for help and not let ego get in the way and and ask more questions and and honestly this the world has opened up to me yeah uterine fibroids great example didn't know those even existed when i was just kind of petty dealing with my bv and yeast infections and utis and and since then uh momotaro has turned into a company that addresses lots of different things because whether it's the uh, medications we are taking that create different symptoms of discomfort or things like that there's there's so many issues and experiences connected with our vaginal health and lots of different ways to talk about them and different ways people experience them and and yeah I mean talk about it learn listen be honest transparency is has absolutely changed my life in in that way and how I feel as a person and and now with regards to my own sexual health like it's it's been totally life-changing wow okay so before we wrap up i ask everybody to give me a book recommendation on anything at all Ooh, random okay mine's, mine's <laughs> read, it, read it um it is actually a book by sasha sagan who is carl sagan's daughter um i just went through the death of a parent and i'm very sad and she lost her father very young but her book is about um rituals it's called for creatures such as we, and it goes from everything from religious rituals to birthdays to the cycles of the moon, and it talks about them, and I feel like this speaks to who we are in a scientific perspective, and then kind of the human way we experience them. And it's mm -hmm. it's really interesting, and I think, you know, helps people, like you said at the beginning of this conversation, you know, it's always been so black and white, like, draw those connections, that it doesn't have to be that way, and that, um, you know, there's, room to experience and have feelings um, from science to self and, and back again. Mm, love that. And Dr. Um, I actually just finished a book called The Little Book of Hugu. I'm probably saying it wrong. Um, the Danish way, it's about the Danish way to live well. Um, they have this word, every time I say it, I feel really dumb because I honestly just <laughs> can't pronounce it like the author did. I listened to the audiobook. But the word hugo like means to be well, like a sense of wellness. Um and it's just a really interesting read because I had never heard of it. Um and I kind of idolize the Danish people a little bit because I feel like they have somehow worked out a way to just be well and like they seem to be such a happy group of people um and i wish we could kind of do that a little bit more here mm -hmm. probably not in 2020 with everything but <laughs> in the future um but the book kind of goes through the history of it kind of what it means to them um the things that kind of um 
represent it in their lives. And it, it seems like it's a really important aspect of who they are as a nationality and as people. Um, and it was just a really interesting read. I just, I just didn't know anything about it going in. Um, and I am now trying to implement it a little bit in my feng shui, in my apartment, and in my life. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, ladies. I will link um, Momotara Pathika in the show notes as well as the books that were recommended. And thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate your time and the wealth of knowledge that you guys just shared. Thank you, Cassandra. Thanks for having us. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Be Well Sis podcast. For more information on anything discussed in this episode, please see the show notes and or visit www.bewellsispodcast.com. Oh, and don't forget to leave a five-star rating on Apple. Until next time, be well, sis.